Hey everyone, welcome to Asian Tech Leaders, the podcast where we interview some of the most interesting and inspiring Asian CEOs, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. I'm your host, Justin Pang, and I'm on a mission to share the stories of Asian tech leaders to help guide your personal and professional life. Thanks so much for joining me, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Percy Hung is the co-founder and CEO of ChocoUp, one of the largest revenue-based financing and growth platforms in Asia. ChocoUp uses data analytics and third-party integrations to automate funding decisions and provide companies with growth capital in as little as 48 hours. Prior to starting ChocoUp, Percy founded two other ventures and also held various engineering and venture capital roles in the APAC region. Percy was born in Hong Kong, raised in Singapore, and is an alumnus of Georgia Tech where he studied aerospace engineering. In this episode, you'll learn more about what sparked Percy to start his own company, how Percy's experience as a foreigner in America and Japan shaped his worldview, and how Percy optimizes his time between being a CEO and father of two young kids. Hope you enjoyed this episode and let's get started. Hey, Percy, how are you doing? Good. Hi, Justin. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. Um, so I thought it'd be great. Maybe to start, you know, a little bit more about your upbringing. So could you mm-hmm. share with listeners, what was your upbringing like, right? Being born in Hong Kong and then eventually moving mm-hmm. over to Singapore. All right. So my parents were playing volleyball for China. So they were on the national team. But, you know, back in the 70s, they don't make a lot of money. So they went to Hong Kong thinking about, you know, having a new life. So, you know, being an athlete, they don't make money. They probably, you know, and my mom became a teacher. So she's like, hey, hey son, you got to study, man. You know, get a good job, you know, uh, don't do sports, but I love sports. Yeah. So, so I think my upbringing was a uh, very, very, very traditional Asian family. Like mom and dad's mm-hmm. like, hey, just go to school, um, try not to play too much sports and then do well in the exam, get a good job, you know, go to a good college, get a good job, you know, that, that kind of route. So, but I wasn't very, I mean, I can't study, but I, that wasn't really my interest. So I did a lot of sports anyways. Um, and, and so from Hong Kong, I went to Singapore because I was trying to get away from my mom. She's too strict, you know, typical Asian mom. So I was lucky to get into school in Singapore. And, and, um, and then after that, I, I went to tech, Georgia Tech, uh, and I did aerospace engineering. So that's kind of mm-hmm. like my early childhood. So what age did you move to Singapore? Um, 12. 12, okay. And then, so this was like a boarding school, like you're living there? Yeah. It's while your parents were school. still in Hong Kong? Yes, they were in Hong Kong. And I was, yeah. I went to this school called Raffles. They have a boarding oh, yeah, school. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was there for six years. And oh, after wow. that, um, I went to, yeah, I went to Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, interesting. So yeah, just uh, to recap, your parents put a lot of pressure on you to perform academically. Right. And also, obviously that would lead into certain career ambitions. So did they, were they prescriptive with what type of even career they wanted you to go into or no. they just wanted you to focus on your grades? Right. They just wanted me to focus my grade. Um, cause coming from China, there weren't a lot of opportunities. Yeah. Um, and they knew how hard it is to make money. So yeah, yeah. they didn't want me to go through their life. Um, yeah. so they're like, Hey, just, just get good grades. Just get a stable job. Don't try anything funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you still ended up going to a great school, right? And then still, you know, you mentioned you went to uh, Georgia Institute of Technology. Mm. You still studied a technical um, field of study in aerospace engineering, right? So you, were you naturally interested in engineering? Um, or were, were you kind of I trying like, to meet? Yeah. Right. I like yeah. to build stuff. And for for my grades, um, I I did barely enough to pass and to get into what I wanted. And that's about it. I'm, I didn't go, you know, above and beyond to try to get straight A's or 4.0 GPA. Uh, yeah. So, and for aerospace engineer, I thought it was cool. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and I picked it because uh, Georgia Tech was a public school. Uh, tuition was a lot lower. I mean, there are a lot of other, um, uh, like Caltech, MIT, they offer really, really good um, uh, aerospace engineering program. But obviously, you know, it's harder to get in. And even if I get in, it's super expensive. So yeah. I, I thought uh, Georgia Tech was the right right choice. You know, uh, decent ranking in aerospace. I think it was number three uh, behind Caltech and MIT. But uh, tuition-wise, it was relatively cheap. It was like 8000 I remember it was only 8000 a semester back then for international students. Wow. And then even that decision to go to America to study, and then also I mean, I, to study. I always knew yeah. I, I always knew I'm I'm going to go to U.S. for for school. Oh wow! Yeah. Since, and, uh, and did your do, do your parents have an opinion about that, or they're no? Pretty, they, they're pretty open about it. Yeah. Okay. 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 That's good. That's great. And then you kind of mentioned like this desire to go into aerospace engineering was just built on your curiosity and interest to build. So did you have right. some, you know, any memorable moments from your childhood or youth where you you built something or the, the first time you felt like the sense of satisfaction of building something? Um, I think mechanical stuff interests me. Machines, what watching machines work kind of mm -hmm. fascinate me. Um, you know, I, uh, my dad was, uh, um, runs a garment factory. I mean, there's mm -hmm. different types of machinery. Um, and, and so, so I kind of grew up in that environment. And when I see a raw product, you know, um, you know, going to the machine, uh, into, through the factory, through the a company in Bell, and then there's an the end product. I thought that's pretty cool, you know, building stuff uh, from scratch, especially. Mm -hmm. So share a little bit more about your experience when you first set foot in america had you, mm -hmm. or at least when you first moved there for school had you been to the states before or was that actually your first time when you that was to... actually my first time um it was pretty interesting atlanta uh remember hartsfield uh, atlanta hartsfield mm -hmm. airport mm -hmm. um i'm six one you know 180 and i thought i'm pretty big you know but <laughs> when i landed i'm like damn i'm kind of not very big. <laughs> um, you're you're big, maybe in uh, Hong Kong or yeah, know, Singapore, Singapore, right? <laughs> but yeah, and, and so so I love playing intramural. I love to play sports, you know, football, basketball, uh, soccer, um, and you know, not being as physical. Uh, I, I thought my size was okay, but when I went to US, I was like, oh, I'm really not that good as uh, as I thought I was. <laughs> yeah well this is just even playing casual sports right. in college. Pick up oh, okay, okay. yeah you're like wait it's a humbling experience at least for your athletic yeah. ambitions <laughs> definitely you know always want to go go pro or semi-pro but when i when i went to tech i'm like okay that's it <laughs> <laughs> you're like Not okay 
yeah. I guess, see, mom and dad were right, right? I yeah. guess I got to uh, stick to something else. So. Yeah. Um, and then even during your your time studying there, did you um, have ambitions to go into the aerospace industry after? Like, where was your head at from a career perspective? Let's say mm -hmm. midway to near the end of your schooling there. So I think throughout the college experience, uh, we have a lot of support in the school. Um, yeah. Our, our fact, uh, the aerospace department, or, or just the school in general, um, helps the students to get because it's a tough program. I mean, engineering. Mm -hmm. I think engineering in general back in back in our days, um, which was like early two thousands, uh, wasn't as easy. I mean, I, I believe it's not easy now too, but. But you know you're out there alone uh so yeah. the school gave a lot of support to us when we're not doing well there were like counselors reaching out to say hey your grade dropped this you know this semester what happened are you going through some phases you know oh um, like they yeah. will proactively reach out based on your gpa you don't I have mean, to seek out that help we have an advisor uh in yeah. our our department that we have to report to every at the end of every semester yeah. to just to check in for like 30 minutes or, or an hour so okay so okay. they will refer the counselor to us so there are times when i really you know was having trouble um you know do you know taking care of all the classes i was trying to push for like 20 credit 18 credits per semester um yeah. and i was overloading and it was just tough you know so so i was really 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 lucky that um it was such a you know good support network for for students and and got yeah. it through yeah great and then career-wise at what point did you figure out what you wanted to do after you graduated and how um, did you land on that so my first job was in japan so it was mm -hmm. again um the school got me the job <laughs> so there's like uh i can't remember what's the department but it's more like korea um there's this department that helps us to get you know to find find a job or you mm -hmm. know uh help us to figure out what's our next step so I went yeah. there to the office and um, and then they say, hey, we have an opening for um, a product engineering uh, position in, in Japan. We just like to go mm. and apply. I took and then before I apply, I think I applied about a year before that. And then I took two semester of Japanese 101, 102. And then bam, mm. uh, I was in Tokyo. Wow. Yeah. And that was your first time in Japan as well, or had you been there before? Uh, I've been to Japan a couple of times as, you oh, know, okay. for, for a visit. But uh, to live there, that was uh, my first time living there. Right. Yeah. And even to work there, right? Like, my, I've only traveled there. I haven't worked there, but very different custom business customs and culture, mm -hmm. right? So how, how, how did you kind of, um, what were some of the interesting uh, memories or differences that you noticed from let's say even, mm. you know, American culture, business, mm -hmm. and like your understanding of working in that environment versus right. uh, Japan. Um, Are there any memories that-, that, that Definitely. You? I think you need a lot of self-discipline in the US because, mm. you know, when I when I signed up for morning classes at 8 a.m. or 7.30, I probably skipped like 50% of that. Uh, so, you know, wasn't very disciplined with that. So to, yeah. to, to thrive in US, you have to have a lot of discipline. I mean, there are a lot of distractions mm. as well, you know, um, you know, house party, uh, I was in a friend, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, just going out to watch the games, uh, stuff like that, right? You, you need to have a lot yeah. of self-control, especially with the people you hang out with. I think that's very important. Yeah. Mm. Uh, where else in Japan, 
So I struggled with that in college for a little bit, but I think Japan kind of straightened me a little. There's a lot of structure.、Um, mm-hmm. You know, my boss was like, "Hey, you cannot be late. You cannot take leave.、Uh, you have to stay overtime."、Um, however, because I was a gaijin, I was a foreigner, so yeah, yeah.、Uh, it was like kind of like double standard for me. It's a little easier for me. And the most interesting part was because. We didn't get paid a lot, but they provide、um, lodging and they provide like uh, uh, some, you know, like travel allowance, all the stuff, right? So every、mm. time when we go out for meals with our、um, senpai, meaning our our bosses,、um, we pay by rank, meaning the biggest boss pay like half the tab, the second boss、okay. pay like twenty five percent, and then but this is out of pocket. This is out of pocket, not out of our pocket. Yeah,、oh, okay. out of our pocket. Yeah, so. <laughs> So I pay the least. Sometimes, like let's say a hundred dollar meal, I pay ten dollars.、Yeah, yeah. oh, but、okay. I, I probably eat the most. <laughs>、yeah. Good value. <laughs> Good value. Yep. Yeah. 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 Oh wow! So in, and the the job was performed in English or Japanese? One hundred percent Japanese. So、oh, wow. again, I was struggling a little bit.、Uh, I felt, you know,、uh, if I want to get a full experience, I probably need to learn a bit of Japanese. So I learned it. On the train at night, I try to meet people,、um, just try to practice. I join a couple basketball、uh, leagues, a、uh, teams.、Um, yeah. So you know, after the games, I I get to go out eat or drink with them, and so to practice for Japanese. So,、oh, so I think、wow. over yeah. So over time,、yeah. um, I think I picked up conversational Japanese, so it it make my life、uh, at work a lot easier.、Um, yeah. So after that, I think. Uh, I enjoy the time a lot more. I, I was a lot more productive, so I don't have to. And, and back then,、uh, there wasn't iPhone.、Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so Google Translate, all those stuff was wasn't as easy to access、uh, compared to now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still remember, especially Japan, right? That's a、mm. as international and global as it is. It's for a tourist. And I studied a little bit of Japanese when I was younger.、Yeah. I still needed my conversational Japanese book and. Even reading signs, it was very tricky, but it, it sounded、yeah. like it was a great experience for you. Yeah, it was definitely was. Yeah. So you were、um, doing your product development engineer job for just like under two years, right? Yeah, a year and a half. A year and a half. Yeah. 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 And then, what was the next step for you in your career, and how did you get there? So after that,、uh, I came to Singapore to、mm-hmm. uh, work. For、uh, aerospace company, but it didn't last too long. I think my earlier careers, I was quite lost. I didn't know what、uh-huh. I wanted.、Uh, too much freedom in college、uh, didn't translate to early career success. Definitely.、Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of regretted that a little bit.、Uh, so when 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 I came to Singapore, worked for、um, Goodrich Aerostructures、uh, as、mm-hmm. a MRO engineer. So just looking at fuselage aircraft and trying to find the problem and fix it.、Um, so it was a little monotonous for me, and I, I thought, you know, being young,、uh, I wasn't for me at that time.、Uh, so I went back to China,、uh, Shenzhen,、uh, to try to start、oh, wow. start my first gig. Yeah. So did you have a job before you went to Shenzhen, or no? Did you, just, did you, you figured to, you wanted to go back. Right, but why? Sh- I know obviously Shenzhen's right across the border from Hong Kong, but、uh-huh. your parents at the time were they in Hong Kong? 
Uh, they were in Hong Kong. Yeah. So why why mainland? Why do you want to go to Shenzhen and not back home to Hong Kong? Out of curiosity. So, uh, Foxconn was in Shenzhen. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. there's a lot of up and coming startup company. Well, what weren't even startups, but you know, you know, new economy type of business that were kind of burgeoning in, in Shenzhen. Yeah. And a lot of uh, my friends from college or from the States, they were like, hey, I got sent to Shenzhen or Guangzhou for, oh, for really? work. Yeah. Wow. Um, so a lot of them were for Foxconn back then. And then obviously after oh. that, you know, Tencent, Alibaba, all those uh, companies sure, started. Sure. Yeah, so, so I went there, um, you know, e-commerce was a big thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, eBay, uh, you know, in the West, right? But in, in yeah, China, yeah. it was still relatively new. So I yeah. thought uh, I should give e-commerce a try. So, and, and Shenzhen has probably the, okay, off record, um, but the most number of uh, counterfeit goods in China mm. production mm. back then. So I, I won't call it counter, counterfeit goods, but they're more like, yeah, it, it is actually. So, so it's very easy to get access to um, uh, products to sell on online, but they're I but they're it. actually made they're actually made in the legitimate factories, right? Yes, they are. They're just, just they're just sold at a second like off the mark, like in the black right, market, right? Right, cheaper yes. price and somebody's pocketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So that's when um so that's when I wanted to you know try the e-commerce space. So I, yeah. I, I source in Shenzhen and then I sell on eBay. Uh, that's when I, that's how I started. Yeah. And I, I bring it, I carry it to some of the good. I ship it over to Hong Kong, uh, and then use, um, DHL FedEx to ship it to us. Oh, so you actually had, you had a business like a D to C or e-commerce business. E-commerce. Yeah. Marketplace. Oh, I mean, I just found it on marketplaces. Okay. Uh, wasn't, I mean, it wasn't really structured. It was just figuring yeah, things yeah, yeah. out. Yeah. Wow. Well, that was so would you say that was like your first experience doing something like entrepreneurial bootstrapping, just like yes. you you spotted an opportunity and you're just trying to figure make it work, right? Yes. That's, wow. um, that's yeah, that's my first try. Yep. And then at what point were you like, hey, this is actually working and I, I want to actually, <laughs> I like this. Oh, I want to make a living this... doing this as opposed to working in a more corporate environment. Um, it wasn't really working. I mean, it's okay. enough to get by, but it wasn't like falling, you know? So, yeah, yeah. and I, and eventually, um, I think I, I drank more than I work because, you know, again, <laughs> uh, it was, Shenzhen was just starting to, to yeah, control. lots of young people too, right? Even yeah. coming from the rural areas into the cities, yeah. like my dad lived in Shenzhen for about five years. So I'd visit him. And oh. you just see all the development is probably around right. the same time, right? Like mid yeah. to late, like 2000s. And yeah. yeah, it's like, what is happening? It was like crazy. So it must yeah. have been a fun time because a lot of young people and a lot of right. people who are new to the city, right? So yes. yeah, yeah. So it's very, so, very dynamic and it's constantly changing. So super vibrant, living costs is low. Uh, so yeah. there are a lot of influx of, um, you know, I guess, talent or, or people who are trying to make it so they go to yeah. the city yeah 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 so anyways you started your first time dabbling in like mm -hmm. entrepreneurship right. and then what were kind of the key moments when you decided to move on because i think you 
you worked at Citic, right? For a little yeah, bit? Yeah, For five yep. years as a project manager, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's the time when I thought, hey, maybe I should grow up, uh, get a proper job, <laughs> uh, drink drink less, don't party as much. Um, yeah. So so I went to uh, went for an interview, uh, and that time the Citic uh, boss was trying to set up an operation in Hong Kong. So mm -hmm. I met him uh, by chance. And so he, he, he gave me an offer right away and I thought, okay, I'll take it. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So after and that, this, I, yeah, sorry. We're, we're, sorry, go ahead. Keep going. Yeah. So this was in 2009. And so from 2009, I've been traveling a lot in China with him um, yeah. to oversee uh, a lot of his projects. So he's like a gangster VC, I would say. Uh, yeah. The early days, you know, the, in, in China, VC, you know, in, in like 2008, nine, there weren't really a lot of VCs. Uh, even there were, it w wasn't like super structured. So he was yeah. like, oh, I just want to invest. Um, but he doesn't have time to take care of them or he doesn't have time to uh, to vet them or, or analyze if their business model is good. So I was just tagging along. I was looking through the projects um, and I was following up on the projects uh, and report to him to see if it's a good investment or not. Yeah. More from an operation standpoint, than right. a financial return kind of standpoint because of my background. I wasn't from the finance, but for him, he just wanted someone who he felt he could trust. And But that's when I really learned about more about business, about how people mm -hmm. start a business, what's their pain point, um, what are the problems that they face internally, yeah. externally, fundraising. Uh, that's when I first got in touch with this. And I thought that was quite interesting. Right. And then for folks who don't know Citic, Citic is like a large conglomerate, right? So they have mm -hmm. like different businesses, um, right. financial services, yeah. uh, manufacturing. And then I guess they had, is this like part of their asset management or like private equity arm? Like how, where did your team even fit into the larger structure? It's actually a logistic division. Uh, oh, within logistics. logistics. Yeah. Oh, okay. Got it. Um, so they have a lot of projects, like, you know, uh, third-party logistics. So they transport uh construction materials or or yeah. say someone wants to build an airport or a port or a highway so they take on this project so yeah. or a highway you know like the uh, the security system for a uh for for, for the uh, high-speed railway uh right, stuff like right. that so so i was yeah traveling a lot for all those oh, different wow. kind of projects yeah and then the projects that you're and the investments you're looking for did they have to fall within the logistics industry or no. not necessarily it could, oh no. interesting yeah very very interesting yeah so this is like you said kind of vc before it was formal vc in hong kong yeah right? <laughs> yeah there's no mandate uh there was not a lot of duty um yeah even i mean back in the days even if you try to do due diligence the numbers uh, the papers are probably fabricated as well right 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 yeah. so it's very much uh like qualitative analysis yeah. or gut feel right of like yeah. i like this person and i think this industry has potential well, yeah how, did, how was your track record did you have a sense like by the time you left after five years like did some uh, of the investments pan out the way you expected or not i sure? think they're trying to uh you know i think the hit rate was pretty low but they expected that they just needed yeah. one you know one project to to make it yeah, so I think they hit they hit one project. Uh, they strike they strike on one. They bought a a, a bunch of land, um, built a bunch of infrastructure on it, 
and then by I think after like three four years, uh, the the valuation of the land you know increased, and then they exited. I think that was like the most successful project that they did. Yeah. Wow! Wow! Amazing. Um, and I want to ch- uh, talk about Choco Up really soon, mm-hmm. but just can you bridge your experience from uh, right. kind of doing the investing mm-hmm. work with Civic, and then right. I think you ended up going a little bit more deeper right. into the entrepreneurial no, no. world after that, right? Yeah, no, no problem at all. So yeah, so after Citic, uh, I thought it was it was really tiring on the road, you know, almost twenty four seven. So I decided to uh, stay in Hong Kong um, for, and and in China we do a lot of um, um, what do you call those like entertainment uh, with customers or oh, with yeah, yeah. potential partners. So I drank a lot and I think my body was having <laughs> problems. So um, so I was like, okay, I need to eat healthy um, and I I don't want to travel anymore. So in Hong Kong, uh, so my current partner um, as well, Brian, right? He and I. We, we were talking about, um, hey, what about doing a healthy, fast concept? Mm-hmm. So we did, we opened a salad, you know, with chicken breast shop uh, and CBD downtown and central mm-hmm. in Hong Kong. Oh, wow. And that, yeah. yeah. So that's based on our own needs. And we thought it's cool, right? Uh, yeah. That's in 2014. So that, I think that really made me realize uh, it's really hard. Uh, to run a FMB establishment, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's hard work. It's really really hard work, uh, and to grow uh, from one shop to two shop or to scale up, it's even harder. Mm-hmm. So so because it's capital intensive initially. Yeah. Uh, your capex yeah. is high, um, and the margin is low. So for you mm-hmm. to grow from one to a, to, to to another shop number two. It's going to take a lot of effort, a bit of luck, uh, and you have to go, you know, go out and fundraise a back, back people for money as well. Yeah. So that that was the main pain point that we faced. Mm-hmm. Um, and while doing that, um, I was I I my partner and I we created another D two C brand. Uh, it's a dress shirt brand that mm-hmm. uh, that is sweat hiding and also. Um, and also like uh, dirt or stain repellent. So we thought that was cool because in Hong Kong it's really hot and you yeah. eat a lot of uh, different kind of food with a lot of sauce <laughs> on it. Yeah. Uh, we're selling on you know different platforms um, as well. So it's more of a e-commerce with a bit of physical uh, stores. So again, this type of business is hard to scale, but we didn't yeah. know back then, we thought it's cool. So let's, let's yeah, yeah. Into it. But it, what, are these, were these custom? Uh, shirts or off the rack, but uh, the off the rack and also yeah. custom made both. We have both, oh, okay. and, and so so we weren't clear which direction we wanted to go, and then we did both, and then in the end, we you know we didn't do well for either. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. So it's a learning curve for us. But healthy um, chicken group, right? Yeah. The first yeah. uh, venture you meant that's still around, right? I think that's still around. Their four, their four shops in Hong Kong, right? Yeah, but yeah. but I I I, I exited. Uh, we exited because um, for Chaco, it's a fintech uh, startup. It really requires us to give in 110 percent, 20 percent of our our time. So we don't have the capacity to run two things or three things at the same time. So I think it's very very important for anyone who want to start uh, a business. Mm. Doesn't matter whether it's a startup or 
or or fintech or or brick and mortar restaurant or doing your e-commerce i think uh the most important is to to be focused because mm-hmm. our resources uh is limited our capacity is only so much we're only 24 hours per day so yeah. so i'd rather focus on one that that's just for me my own experience yeah, uh, I, yeah. I mean there are a lot of great entrepreneur uh, serial entrepreneur out there but from my own past experience um I'm more suitable to just dedicate my time and effort into one thing and mm-hmm. that's Chaco and that's what we're doing right now. And because yeah. we felt so many times with the healthy chicken, you know, we structure a couple of times, open shop, close shop, open shop, close shop, owe people oh, money, okay. pay back, trying to scale was so hard. And then for the e-commerce uh, that we did, it was again, it's so hard to do branding, marketing, um, especially mm-hmm. Online ads are super expensive and you, know, yeah. you have to do SEO. You have to do a bunch of, um, other stuff to just to get some, some traction and attention. Right. And that causes a lot of money as well. And then you have to pay for inventory. You have to pay for logistics. All of this were pain points. And so mm-hmm. we thought, Hey, there has to be a way, uh, for us to help people like ourselves, mm-hmm. uh, in the startup space and, uh, you know, business owners or e-commerce merchants. And, and then we did a lot of research and that's, that's how we started Chocola up because, uh, Clerical, which is back then it's called Clear yeah. Bank and also Wayflyer, uh, Wayflyer is targeting on the e-commerce for sure. Uh, hundred percent, mostly targeted on the e-commerce space, but Clerical yeah. is more on the both, you know, e-commerce and also the startup space. So yeah. we thought that's a really cool model. And so, um, if we didn't fail and went through so much struggle before, uh, doing, you know, healthy chicken or, or, or the dry ship business, uh, we wouldn't have thought about chocolate. Right. So, That's how you got the insight and the hypothesis of like, Hey, this would be a great, this is what you would use as a founder yeah. of a D2C, uh, e-commerce right. company. Yeah. Right. So there, but there was a point where you're kind of running healthy chicken and the e-commerce yeah. company and then right. also ideating at least on chalk. So you and Brian, probably your conversations. You're like, okay, which topic do you want to cover today? Which company? Um, um, then what ultimately um, kind of gave you the confidence to say, okay, let's go all in on Chocoa, mm-hmm. right? Because right. like you mentioned, there were a couple other alternatives that were in the market. So right. I'm wondering what was that point of like no return for you where you're like, mm-hmm. okay, let's let's dedicate time to this and see right. how far we can take it. Okay, so running a restaurant, you have to be passionate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a full-time job. like. The ROI is so low, I mm. think. Uh, so Matt, respect, Matt, props to all those, you know, uh, you know, moms and dads who went to U.S. first generation, you know, opening restaurants, uh, Buford Highway, as you remember, it's tough work. So and now same. The thing, the thing is, um, you throw a hundred dollar into a restaurant, you probably get back. If if you're lucky, you probably get back ten dollar or or less mm. or eight dollar at the end of the year and the ROI is just so low and you're drained constantly mm. firefighting. So we thought, are we really maximizing uh, what we need to do? I mean, our, our resources to, 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 you know, because we live in a real, real world, we need to get paid as well. Right. So yeah. um, in terms of, you know, you know, rent, you know, everything, you know, expenses. Right. So, so we thought that might not be the best for us. And then for the D2C, um, you know, you see a lot of successful online shops, right? But mm. they're also a hundred times uh, 
shops that, that failed. So we didn't see those people who failed. We only saw those success cases. And, and so we thought, hey, how hard can it be, right? But mm-hmm. it is that hard. So, um, and because Brian was from a finance background, after tech, he went to New York, uh, was working for Deutsche Bank, um, doing M&A, leverage financing. Then he went back to Atlanta uh, to work for a PE firm. So he was from both from both buy side and sell side. So he knows his finance industry very, very well. So when I spoke to him about uh, our pain point, and because when you do your own business, you meet a lot of other co-founders, founders, mm-hmm. uh, business owners, entrepreneurs, and a lot of them face the same problem. So we thought, hey, why don't we bring ClearCall, uh, ClearBank back then, and then we fly our type of uh, you know, funding to Asia. So we started building Chuckle Up in 2018 and 2019. Mm. Because yeah. at the time was ClearCo, ClearBank not really available in Asia. They're focused. They're not available. They're still not Australia. Oh, really? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So ClearCo is still um, predominantly in Canada and U.S. Oh, well, okay. It's a Canadian-based company. Yeah. Start off. Yeah. yeah. And then Wayflyer is focusing on Europe. So oh, okay. they're not really in Asia, and we thought there is a chance because. Um, the, the whole Asian market, especially Southeast Asia, uh, is very, very fragmented. The, mm. the tech infrastructure in the West is normally a couple of years ahead of Asia as well. Um, and, and obviously, you know, in North America, people use Stripe, PayPal for the payment gateway. And then for yeah. uh, e-commerce platforms, marketplaces, it's always Shopify, eBay, Amazon, right? The, the big boys. Yeah. So it, it's very standardized. Whereas in Asia, every country probably have like, 10 different payment, 10 different marketplaces, 10 different infrastructure. So it's very hard to copy and paste. So, and the, the language is different. The, the business uh, culture is different. The consumer behavior is different. So it's very, very hard to just um, bring something from the West and just put it uh, and plug it into Asia and expect it to succeed. So for example, yeah. Uber, um, or Airbnb, they're not mm-hmm. as huge as big, uh, you know, in, in the East compared to, to the West. So we thought, hey, this could be a chance, could be an opportunity for us to do something. So we started small. Yeah, we started yeah. in Hong Kong and then came to Singapore uh, because I, I technically I grew up here as well. So mm-hmm. a lot of resources, um, Southeast Asia, it's like China 10, 15 years ago in terms of um opportunities and indonesia alone has close to 300 million people and mm-hmm. they're all digital native everyone has a smartphone yeah. yeah 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 huge potential and big market right which is exciting right. so you know on that note that's your addressable market right all these yes. digital native people starting up uh, e-commerce direct to consumer um right. any any entrepreneurial venture really so can you just share your high level overview mm-hmm. of Chocoop? So if you know there are any listeners out there who are looking for funding and in this space, um, All right. why should they consider Chocoop versus the more traditional financing mechanisms? Okay. So for, for Chocoop, we are a revenue-based financing platform. Uh, so we're here to help uh, business owners, e-commerce, um, if you're a start, tech startup founder, we're here to help you uh, fulfill your funding needs because mm-hmm. our target audience is normally not served by the banks or 
if they go to a traditional uh, P2B financier, it will be too expensive and too rigid. So for us, our edge is really our, our agility, our speed, and also our uh, flexibility. Um, because funding, a lot of platforms, a lot of uh, fintech, a lot of lenders, they, they give up the capital or banks. Um, they give you, let's say, $100, and they don't care about your business, whether you do well or if you don't do well. You have to pay yeah. back the same amount of money per month, principal plus interest, that's it, right? But for us, yeah. we're more like a growth platform. Um, mm. We give you the funding, but on on the back end, we have a dedicated team to help you to grow your business. Because the RBF model, the, the interesting part about RBF model is um, we take a percentage of your top line uh, to repay yeah. towards us. So, which means if, you, if you're having a good month, you pay us back a little more. If you're having a tough time or rough time, we don't expect you to pay us as much so that it's a lot easier on your cash flow as a business. So cash flow, mm-hmm. it's probably one of the most important factor <clears throat> of running a, a, a smooth and successful business, right? So, yeah. so our business model really helps um, these business owners and not put them in a position. So we want to win together in that sense. Yeah. And is there like a minimum amount of revenue per month or per year that you expect startups to have to before even be considered um, for chocolate? We typically look at anything from, um, as long as you're post revenue, we can look at it because it's, that's why it's called revenue based. Yeah. So yeah. that's our main criteria. You have to be okay. post revenue. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Great. And then, um, what i'm curious like you know at some point you know the financing will be paid off right once their revenue right. streams hit a certain amount and so the upside for chocolate is on the interest a, is that no we charge a flat fee so oh, flat fee oh, okay it's a flat fee so so say if i deploy a hundred dollar to you say we charge 10 percent. say so it's 110 and yeah. how you repay us is based on how fast your business grow. So if you do really well, you could repay us in six months. But if you don't, you can drag out to 12 months. So right. this, yeah. Right. So I guess like when I just think about, you know, the risk and the upside on the risk side, obviously, you know, you're minimizing some of the risk because you know there's revenue coming in the door and there are some ways that you probably integrate into payment platforms to like audit and ensure that there is legitimate streams of revenue coming in um right that said you also don't capture all the growth on the upside right because once you're the loan or maybe you don't call it a note but the amount is repaid right then they can choose to either, I guess, expand the funding that they get from Choco up or just uh, yeah. move on and um, find different. Can, so it's very, fund, yeah. So we have funded companies uh, four to five trenches uh, yeah. over time because oh, okay. most of the time when we give them the capital, right, they use it for high growth uh, activities, whether right. it's um, <clears throat> um, uh, for marketing, SPAN, yeah. inventory purchasing, or things that drive their top line. So when you make more money, it's a good problem to have for the owner, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. when we grow with them together, when their top line um, uh, goes up, uh, we can deploy more funding to them as well. Right. So any restrictions to where they spend the money? Or really uh, it's up to the Typically, we, do not, we, we don't force them to spend it. However, 
when they inquire with us, we do check on them. Hey, uh, what's the purpose? Because we have a lot of data. Uh, yeah. We're data. We're we're integrated into a lot of their um, data points, such as their sell channel, their payment, um, marketing spend, uh, Google Analytics, their Zero yeah. or QuickBooks accounting software, and also yeah. their bank feed. So we we do have a lot of data across the board. Okay. Uh, so that when we ask them, hey, where are you using this for? At where? What country? Uh, is it is it to scale up another operation? So. So when they give us feedback, we'll tell them, hey, um, we have a lot of this data and what you're doing could might not work as well. Maybe we can give you some suggestions. So so we gave a lot of pro bono advice uh, yeah. to them to make sure that they don't fall into different blind spots or trap. And at the same time, uh, we give them a lot of um, uh, uh, solutions to grow, uh, whether it's locally or cross-border as well. Mm -hmm. Great. And then one other key thing, which, you know, you kind of touched on is just the idea of partnerships and building an ecosystem, right? Because right. there's so many different services that you might hook into through their APIs. Can you share a little bit more about um, how Chaco um, structures the partnerships and just um, uses that right. to make sure everybody's kind of winning both the partners, obviously Chaco right. and ultimately the entrepreneurs. Okay, sure. So the partners, um, there are a few types, mainly a commercial partner or a strategic partner. So mm -hmm. the reason why we we have different type of partners is actually, for example, for strategic partners, we work at Stripe or AirWallX. So we're, yeah. we could essentially use their service to help our merchants to do their business better. So for example, mm -hmm. if they come to us to use our, um, we, we call it chocolate payment. So compared to them going to Stripe, um, Essentially, it's the same, but they can save 1% at least uh, using our payment and they can use our funding as well. So, mm. you know, for e-commerce, you save 1% here, um, you know, save a little bit somewhere else. That's over time. It, it adds up to be a, a substantial amount as well. So cost saving is one thing. And obviously, um, the, all the strategic partner that we have, for example, if an e-commerce uh, of a D2C brand wants to scale from Singapore to Hong Kong, or to Malaysia, we first of all we have partners to help them set up a uh, set up uh, incorporate a business uh, register, you know, and then obviously um, have a have, have a business account, um, provide logistic service, uh, marketing, branding, all this mm -hmm. help to in a very very short amount of time is, uh, compared to them figuring out themselves in a new country, uh, new language. So those are the partners that we have readily available oh, right. for them to yeah. kickstart and grow their business. Whereas the yeah. commercial partner, I think it's uh, it's somewhat more interesting. So we're trying to mm -hmm. provide a white labeling solution or embedded financing solution for B2B businesses. For example, uh, marketplaces, uh, POS systems, or, mm -hmm. or some SaaS platforms. For example, we work with this um, B2B wholesale marketplace called Piba. Uh, they're, they're, um, they just recently just raised like, I think around 6 million, uh, in their seat round funding. So they have about four or 5,000 merchants, uh, mm. um, uh, distributor merchants on, <clears throat> on their platform. But because there's a delay in payment, so we fulfill that gap. So we have service about over 200, uh, merchants on their platform, over a thousand transactions to facilitate, you know, this buy and sell on their platform. So. 
we don't mm-hmm. give this platform any money, but yeah, but they the the top line for this platform grew because we helped their merchants. So it's a mm-hmm. triple win scenario. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's just trying to make your your service and useful to the right. entrepreneurs, the merchants, the whole ecosystem, right? So yeah. it seems like partnerships are really important. Yeah. Um, and then a couple more questions that just around the company is um, obviously things have changed in the economic and market conditions right. in the last like six to 12 months. What have you seen specifically with uh, Chaco Up and the startups that you support to the extent you're able to share? So I think most most startups are very resilient. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if, if the founders are in this game, very likely they don't give up easily. Yeah. So, and so it's very, very uh, heartwarming to be in the same ecosystem as them. So we communicate a lot with our portfolio uh, companies and, and us, um, we try to solve the problem together. Uh, mm-hmm. If time is bad, we can still help, but maybe we don't, uh, we access the risk a little different. We hold back a little bit uh, more on our fund deployment, but we can still help them to get by this tough time. So it doesn't mean that, you know, it's not linear. The growth trajectory is not linear. It's always up and down, up and down. But as long as your endpoint, as our endpoint, it's higher than when we started, uh, it's already yeah. a win. We're not trying to hit yeah. the home run right away in the sense. Mm-hmm. Got it. So fr- from the e-commerce sector, e-com or D2C, uh, the growth has slowed a little bit. Yeah. However, there's still growth. So mm-hmm. I think in this, um, in, in the e-commerce uh, uh, sector, it's 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 always going to be growing because people are just going to keep buying stuff online, and they're yeah yeah the demand is just increasing. Um, mm-hmm. they, they you know day after day, but. But the growth have uh, slowed down a little bit compared to COVID. But COVID is obviously a very, um, you know, special case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the, this year is more of like the hangover of like, oh my, like twenty twenty one was so amazing. Like for a lot of companies, that it was really hard when you're comparing to last year. Come on, it's like an anomaly. <laughs> so, but so I think to your point, Percy, as long as you see that growth, that's right. Um, like at the yes. most simplistic level, that's still a great sign, right? You're still growing based on the abnormally successful business year last year, right? So, right. Um, and then last question around Choco Up is mm-hmm. the name. Can you share a yeah. little bit more about um, where sure. you guys got the name and if there's any meaning behind it? Um, initially, our tagline was um, energy booster for your business. So, you know, energy booster, you eat chocolate, you feel like your energy, your oh, yeah, level yeah. goes up. So yeah. uh, hence, uh, chuckle up. Uh, but the more official uh, answer uh, is because chuckle up doesn't mean anything. So it's a lot a lot easier to trademark, uh, trademark uh, this. Yeah. And we yeah. don't want to call ourselves something, something capital or something, something fun, right? right? That, that's what, a little too, boring. Too stuffy and traditional? Yes. <laughs> Love it, love it. Very original name for sure. And then you know, I also, as in doing research for this, saw that you have two young kids. Right. Um, how in the world do you manage your time between running your company, mm-hmm. being a husband, being a parent of two kids, having right. uh, hobbies? Um, what's your kind of philosophy or way of just making sure that you have energy and you're also dedicating time to the things that matter? 
Right. Now, a great question. This is、uh, something that I'm still trying to figure out.、Mm-hmm. I'm not really, really good at it, but I think as long as I make some improvement、uh, over time,、uh, my wife is very forgiving. <laughs> uh, so, for, first of all, I think the most important part is before marriage, before kids, we can do pretty、mm-hmm. much anything we want. But、uh, when our responsibility increases,、uh, workload increases, we have to prioritize and also.、Yeah. Stop doing things that that doesn't mean anything or has、mm. less value. So I started、um, doing deduction in my life.、Um, hang out less,、um, drink less. Yeah.、Um, yeah. So instead of you know, I still love going to the gym, right? I, I love to、yeah. play basketball. I love to play golf. I love to do any sports, right? But now I can I can do all.、Uh, I gave up golf. I gave up basketball. I so the only thing that keeps me Moving now, it's、um, you know going to the gym. I try to go、mm-hmm. at least、uh, three four times a week.、Okay. And but even going to the gym, I have to be careful about the timing. So I, I can just back then I can go anytime I want, right? Yeah, I can stay stay for two hours. I feel good. But now <laughs> has to be planned way ahead of time. So I try to get there、um, before seven daily、um, in the morning. In the morning, yes. So the kids aren't up yet. Um, they're up. They, they up. Oh, they're up. Okay. Yeah. So your wife、uh, will watch the kids, and you'll go. How is your gym like nearby your home? Yes, on the way okay, to work,、good. and then、oh, okay, good, good, good. Yeah, and then I get into office before eight, so it's a good forty-five, fifteen minutes. Yeah. 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 Shower, go to work. Um, my wife is uh, uh is working full time as well, but we、mm-hmm. we're very blessed. Our mother-in-law is here, so、yeah. so she helps out with the kids. Um.、Yeah. So. Yeah, so it has to be a lot of dedication. Plus,、uh, as a business grow, as a startup grow, we have to grow too. So for me,、mm. I can't drag the team down. So I I have to constantly up, you know, up my own game.、Um, mm. Don't do stuff. Don't try to reinvent the wheel.、Um, you know, there's certain critical uh,、um, skill sets that I I need to improve, whether it's management or whether it's、um, fundraising. So I focus on those,、uh, mm. you know, that brings the highest ROI for for the team to succeed. I, I think that I have to figure that out along the way. I mean, there's no guidebook,、um, so so yeah, that that prioritizing, doing less stuff, focus、mm. on only on those that you need to do to to bring higher ROI. So so that's what I've been doing. Yeah, yeah that's great. I mean, I totally hear you on. Trimming the fat, right? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. So it was a pre-kids life, and I was like, back then, like, I I had so much time, right? But you don't know that、oh. until you have kids, and now, like, yeah, every every chunk of time, like, let's say fifty minute, thirty minute、right. increment, it matters. And、oh. like, okay, what am I gonna do here? And yeah, this、uh, it's quite clarifying, though, right? Because it keeps life simple in a lot of ways. It's kind of、yeah. like family, work, friends.、Mm. And you know, fitness and、right. any other hobbies, right? So yeah, yeah, it's a work in progress. I feel for us、uh, young working parents figuring、yeah. it out.、Well, um, what do you do mostly with your kids? What do I do with the kids? Yeah, like,、um, like on the weekends, like when yeah, you have free time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends, right? Like they're four and six, so a lot of times we will. Go to playgrounds, right?、Uh-huh. Go just get them to move their body, especially if they've been in a class or at home all day.、Uh, 
uh, we've started to go swimming a little bit more. Uh, they oh, still wear a life vest, but okay. they love getting in the water and right. just like they can swim for one or two hours uh, in oh. the pool, which is nice. And I know Singapore is big on pools. So yeah. uh, I feel like that's much more commonplace in Singapore than in Toronto. Um, and then third, we have a lot of play dates, right? So with family mm -hmm. or friends in the neighborhood. So right. yeah, those are kind of the main three things that we end up doing. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I guess the last question is around, you know, looking at your career trajectory, seeing that you've made mm -hmm. some quite stark changes, both geog like geographically, right? You right. went from America to mm -hmm. Japan to China, mm -hmm. Hong Kong, right. Singapore, and also mm -hmm. even in terms of the type of work you do. So right. I'm wondering if like those, if you have to give advice on to somebody on how do you know when it's time to move on to something else career-wise? Uh, right. What has kind of been your compass or uh, decision-making mm. factor for that? And it could be both an art and science. I'm curious right. to know how you made those uh, decisions. So for me, I'm very blessed to have met a lot of mentors uh, in my life mm -hmm. at different stages. Uh, I think listening to them gives, gives me a little bit of a head start, uh, pulling me out from dark times or uncertainty mm -hmm. times. I think that's very, very important to 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 learn from people who have, you know, done it before you. Because I think a lot of times when you're in business, when you do your own thing, you feel like you can do it. You feel like, hey, it's gonna succeed. If not, why do you do it in the first place, right? And and so we get, you know, caught up with what we think. Uh we don't pull ourselves out to see the bigger picture. So uh, I think it's very important to 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 meet people who are more senior who have seen it you know find a good mentor um you, you walk you, you, it would save you a lot of of time and effort uh, i think that that's very important and as to when to move on uh just got to be real with yourself because mm. sometimes your entrepreneurs or, or business owners get a little delusional <laughs> so you have to be real, like you gotta ask yourself, like, hey, is this really gonna work? If it's not gonna work, don't 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 try to find excuses that it's not gonna work. And it's okay if it doesn't work. You know, let it go. So so I think you gotta be real to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Which I feel like is such a balance, right? Because on the one hand, you wanna have the vision for where you wanna be, what you wanna do. You have to have that drive and ambition and like just will to yeah work on something and make something happen but then there needs to be a point where you kind of take a step back and um yeah think about it and reflect and make a decision of like okay taking the emotion out of it like should i keep yep. doing this or should i try something else so it's good advice yeah um percy thank you so much i know you know i have a ton of more other questions but want to be respectful of your time i uh, really appreciate the time and you sharing all your stories and love loved your journey, right? It's very, I felt like it was quite intuitive, right? You followed your heart and your gut, um, especially earlier in your career. And I feel like that's some something a lot more of us can do. So folks who want to kind of uh, stay in touch with you or follow you on social media or uh, follow what Chaco Up is up to, what's the best place for them to find you? Um, you know, you can uh, do all my social, my LinkedIn, feel free to reach out, my number, my WhatsApp, my Singapore number, Hong Kong number, anyone can reach out to me anytime. Uh, I have, so again, like I said, I, I'm very blessed to, to have met a lot of good people who has helped me 
So I think、mm-hmm. in my later part of my career or my life, I would love to help more people. I think it's very important to 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 actively give back as well.、Um, you know, maybe I, I couldn't help directly, but maybe at one day, you know, never know. You could make make changes in someone's life, and I think that's that 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 will mean a lot to me. Yes, great. Thank you. So definitely on LinkedIn. I think you're the、okay. only you you own your domain name on LinkedIn, Percy Hung. Yeah. And then、right. for Chaco Up, the website is chaco-up.com. And、yeah. especially those、uh, based in the APAC region, have a look at the site. Also, there's a few、um, job openings based in Hong Kong and Singapore, and I'm sure Percy is looking for great talent. So be sure to check that out. Thank you, Justin. You've been a Thanks great. Thanks so much、host. for the time. Thank you, Percy. Appreciate it, and have a great weekend. You too. Hey, everyone! Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Asian Tech Leaders. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your family and friends. Leave me a review on iTunes, or drop me a note on our website, AsianTechLeaders.com. I really appreciate having each of you as a listener and sharing your valuable time with me. Be well, stay healthy, and follow your heart. See you soon.